The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. And of course, there's a couple reasons we do these loving kindness or these uh, Brahma Vihara or divine abode practices formally as meditation topics. But the idea actually is to really um, develop these attitudes or emotions so that they become the dominant emotions as we live our days. Kindness, compassion, appreciative joy and equanimity. It's just kind of nice to imagine like if these were the only four emotions or attitudes I needed to live my life. What couldn't we do? that we have to do in life with those four emotions. So it would be nice to hear from each other. Um, I did put into the chat, um, the last thing in the chat that I sent out is the link that will give you some basic instructions for those four stages that I mentioned of arousing, uh, noticing the upwelling, noticing the boundlessness, and dropping any ideas of doing the practice. So you can check that out when you want, but you might want to open that link so you have it on your computer and you can make a copy of it or whatever you want to do with it. But like I said, it'd be nice to hear from each other. One of the things that I often say in opening this uh, open discussion time is, you know, probably all of us in our own ways, we've learned a thing or two about these beautiful emotions, attitudes of love in our lives. Just like we've learned a thing or two about how greed, hatred, and delusion don't really work as, you know, dominant attitudes or qualities in the mind. You know, to go through life stingy or to go through life irritable or to go to through life full of greed and lust doesn't make us happy, it makes us really tight. So what have you learned about appreciative joy, what comes to mind, including any questions that come to mind about the practice we did tonight? Yeah, thanks for that testimonial, yeah. I, and just imagine if we, the mind by just through practice got really good at not being oblivious, because like you suggested, Valerie, that's the tendency we just... I mean, part of it, um, I think, evolutionary biologists and, you know, and people who have thought deeply about this, they've concluded, I think, to some degree that what's gotten selected through evolution is this critical mind, you know, the mind that is better at noticing danger <laughs> as opposed to the mind that's really good at appreciating what's beautiful. And uh, But the thing is, we're not... Obviously, our heart is definitely affected by instinct and these maybe genetic tendencies, but we're not bound by that. We can cultivate habit, right? And... Uh, we can cultivate this habit to recognize what's beautiful. And then the other thought that I had, Valerie, when you were sharing about your practice tonight, is when you get that momentum, 
then that's the time you can even let go of the different people you're bringing to mind and just notice the emotion or the attitude of appreciation itself. So the bringing the people to mind is the start, but once the heart has that sensitivity to what's good and the appreciation of what's good, then see if you can just notice that. Because we don't even need to be kind of reviewing the day from this point of view of seeing what's beautiful. That's the start, and that really starts to energize the heart. Like you said, it can get quite, the emotion can get quite strong. You don't have to stop thinking about those people or having those memories, but put the attention on the generous quality of that attitude, the expansive quality. And it actually, it, it refines the pleasure, the wholesome pleasure of this emotion to notice its generous nature, its inclusive nature. So there's the, the whole thing of arousing. We don't want to just stay at the state of arousing, but we want to go into that more boundless, relaxed state where it's, uh, the Buddha calls it a temporary liberation of the heart. All of these four qualities of love, any actual spiritual love, any state of spiritual love, when developed, it temporarily suppresses all of the neurotic, self-centered habits of greed, hatred, and delusion. And we actually experience a taste of what freedom is like. Because in those moments when it's really strong, and boundless, this is the heart, this is the mind that is, in this case, you know, temporarily free of greed, hatred, and delusion. So, you want to know what kind of mind a saint or an awakened being has, you know, when we're not there yet? We can have moments where we're really cultivating one of these four beautiful qualities of love. It gets some momentum it dominates the heart and mind, we relax, trust that goodness, that attitude of love, and then we see, we, we notice, oh, this is a mind, there's no greed in this mind. There's no hate, there's no fear, there's no distraction in this mind. Oh, this is what that looks and feels like. We want to get familiar I mean, we know the mind. I mean, a lot of what we learn in meditation practice is, oh, this is the mind that is colored by greed. <laughs> this is the mind that is affected by boredom. This is the mind that is restless. This is the mind that is full of hate. This is the mind that's really dull. This is the mind that's really distracted, right? But we also want, more importantly even, as important as it is to see the... Um, experience of the mind when it's affected by what we call one of the defilements. It's contaminated by unhelpful habits, right? It's even better to notice when the mind has been temporarily liberated. And this is not as rare as we might think. There are often moments of pure love, like I mentioned that simple moment at the toll booth. It did I'm not saying it lasted for hours and hours. But there was a moment, seeing the smile of that young woman, 
and just the basic friendliness and just appreciating that where my heart was pretty pure in that moment, you know, two or three seconds. That was a pretty pure heart. And one of the benefits of practicing is we, like Valerie suggested, we start to notice those moments. And noticing those moments amplifies the power of those moments. Because if I had had that moment with the person in the tow booth that had been oblivious, like didn't recognize that was a moment of goodness and then appreciating the goodness, then it loses the capacity that it has to really change our lives little by little, moment by moment. Thanks for getting us started, Valerie. Who'd like to go next? Other thoughts you have, other learnings you've had or questions that come to mind? Yeah. Or that you, you're you capable, the, the mind, the heart is capable of being of compassion and mudita. It's, the mind is really powerful. So as soon as the image, the understanding shifts in the mind toward the planet, the destruction of the planet, the overconsumption or whatever it was for you, then compassion was there. And whenever the the understanding shifted to the appreciation of having such a competent car that starts when you turn it on and can get you from A to B. I mean, it's truly amazing. Cars are truly amazing. They're incredibly comfortable too these days, right? And just the competence, how much human competence has gone into developing these vehicles. Amazing. And how they can function. These days, I don't know if people remember, but people my age and older, you know, they used to rust. Nowadays, <laughs> cars don't rust anymore. I mean, it's amazing. They're out there. And, you know, I live in Minnesota where there's a lot of salt on the road. There's not that much rust anymore. It's just incredible how they develop. And exactly like you said, it's a really good point. Because here's another sort of expression of what you're talking about, Eva. Um, like we might, a friend might come to mind, or even somebody who, that we work with who we don't even like that much, and we don't even consider them to be necessarily a good person. But we we remember they got a new pair of shoes, you know, and we might even remember they were flaunting them, you know, they were sort of attached to them or whatever. So that happiness that they were experienced might be really tainted by all these other aspects of their personality that maybe we don't consider that wholesome. But still we can appreciate that. We might see a, you know, whatever, a fly on some dog poop on the side of the sidewalk. You know? And we might just, like, I don't want to be close to that, but that fly has found something it was looking for. And why not? Why not? Why wouldn't we let that touch our heart? And then in the next moment, we'd be thinking, why didn't that person whose dog that was did pick up the poop after the dog pooped? You know? And then we might have some compassion for ourselves. Oh, I live in a neighborhood where stuff happens and I'm not in control. And not being in control feels threatening, and I care about that. So it's like the heart can get really nimble in terms of the different things that it can 
that can actually touch the heart and it can go from see, uh, seeing one thing and, and seeing it in a beautiful, skillful way, seeing it, seeing the moment from another angle, but doing it in a beautiful, liberating way. Yeah. Because what it is, is it isn't the world, our experience isn't one thing, is it? It's like there are probably infinite numbers of the way for my mind right now, for your mind right now, to perceive this moment. And the question is, with every percept can every perception be have this quality of goodness? Whether it's the tenderness of compassion or the friendliness of metta, loving kindness, or the balance of equanimity, or the appreciation of mudita that we've been working on. Yeah, I really appreciate your sharing that. That's really beautiful to hear and to notice. Part of what's so beautiful about that is that you notice that truth of your mind. Because the whole point of doing this together is to learn about our hearts and minds and the capacity of the mind. Thanks, Eva. Anybody like to go next? We've got more time. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Jane. Because there, there are some tried and true tricks to this point that you're making. And uh, one of the reasons that we use a phrase, especially a simple one, like the one I offered us all tonight, I think I originally heard it from Guy Armstrong or some version, something similar to that. Uh, may this goodness continue, may it increase, may it never end. But some people just use the word mudita, like they like the Pali, but you could obviously use the English if you prefer. Because all of those uh, people we brought to mind, all those situations like Valerie, Valerie was talking about earlier, you know, where they were just seeing how many moments there were from the day that they could remember and bring to mind that were really the cause and support for that appreciative joy. So if we start to connect that confidence that there were those moments, there are those moments, with a word like mudita or a phrase, may your happiness continue or may this goodness continue or something like that, then like you said, Jean, because when, when we're going to the boundless, it's very subtle. That's a subtle state for the mind. And it, it takes, like we need special conditions to keep a subtle state in mind. It's not so easy to keep a subtle state in mind because grosser emotions, grosser memories, grosses, grosser experiences in our room, like a sound or a visual experience, can arise and then it will trigger proliferation around whatever the interruption was, right? That's our common experience in meditation. And especially if we're just in our we're not on retreat, you know, we're just in the world and we've just got our 30 minutes to practice. It can get interrupted a lot. So then instead of going back to that way we began, we might presume that there's already some momentum, though. Even though we got distracted and we've been distracted for a couple of minutes even, we should assume we have to go all the way back. So if you've got an intermediary, like if you really worked with a phrase or a word, even before you 
bring to mind your cat being comfortable in its warm spot. And that's how you started the mudita practice. Oh, you felt really warm there. You were really happy in your spot. May that happiness continue. May it increase. May it never end. Right? You may not need to go back to your cat or whatever you're using. You might just remember the word mudita. And the felt sense of that upwelling of goodness. Right? Like just that energy. Or you might even learn that you that boundlessness is still there. It didn't go anywhere. It's more what happened is the mind got interested in something gross and disconnected or forgot to pay attention to what was subtle. So you're here paying attention to gross, like some memory, but then you realize you've been lost in thought. You really want to check that boundlessness may be there, but it, there's a real contrast from the gross mental activity the mind was involved with, with the distraction, to going back to the boundless state. And we tend to dismiss it because it isn't as obvious as the distraction. But that doesn't mean you're far away, right? So this is the thing about returning, is you should presume, like just, it's a good practice to presume the goodness, the boundlessness, whatever, is still there. Because if you don't, if you presume it's not there, then it's not going to be there, <laughs> right? So it's and you won't look, you won't open, you won't listen for it. So just presume it's there, and then just skillfully, like stage back a little bit. Like, is there that upwelling, that feeling of inclusivity in my heart right now? Maybe I'll drop the word mudita, appreciative joy, in, and just like in a soft way in the mind, just think that word, appreciative joy, or the phrase, may the goodness continue. Maybe even just one part of the phrase, maybe not all three, you know, may this goodness continue or increase or never end. Because just the memory of that expanded state may turn out to be the way back to it. You may not have to go all the way to the, some memory that was really good today or in the past week. Does that make sense, Gene? Think, yeah, thanks for the good question. Other learnings from folks that you're willing to share with the group? We learn a lot from people's willingness to speak. I really appreciate all the folks' great comments tonight. Yeah, and that's that taste of freedom that you're talking about, Deborah. Like the Buddha calls this, these practices uh, the temporary liberation of the heart, because it doesn't uproot the tendency of our mind to get in contracted state, but we really get a taste, like you're talking about, that this heart is unburdened. That's a good way to describe the liberation. It's like the heart feels unconstricted, unburdened, not weighed down. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, really good to hear. And for those who don't live in Minnesota, if, if you didn't hear it on the news, it was really cold this morning. I'm not there myself, but I think it was like 17 degrees below in Minneapolis, plus wind chill on top of that. <laughs> Who'd like to go next?
Yeah, I really appreciated your comments, Madeline. And just your laugh there at the end. I bet I'm not alone. Like, just, like, there's something so powerful, kind of in the same vein that you were sharing with us about, like, people, sometimes it's us, sometimes it's a good friend, sometimes it's Madeline sharing with the group. But, you know, people just attuned to the truth that life isn't always easy. And then just somehow, however they might do it, like Madeline's laugh at the end, just having space for the world, for life being the way that it is. And just that creativity that you described, like, because sometimes we are in a funk. <laughs> I don't know anybody who doesn't get in a funk. And... And the idea of somebody telling you to do mudita, appreciative joy practice, could feel like an insult or just, you know, a joke. But to kind of hang in there and to find our way. Like, just the fact that we're not re rejecting it out of hand is something to appreciate. Oh, look at this, honey, you're hanging in there, you know, you haven't dismissed it. Or, like you described, you know, just this capacity... I can't really access what I consider to be mudita, but I can appreciate that I can put down the world enough just to be with my breath. I can put down my worries. I mean, this is often how I begin my regular morning practice when I often do mindfulness of breathing, at least some of the time uh, at the beginning. It's like I'm so appreciative that all my impulses to think about this and worry about this I can just be with my breath. I mean, to, uh, not perfectly by any means, but, and there's some real appreciation. So it's not even just mindfulness of breathing practice. It's this blending that some of you were talking about tonight of many different things, of appreciative joy and that concentrating on the physicality of breathing in and breathing out. But appreciating that I have this developing talent to temporarily put everything else down and to simply know the physicality of breathing in for one half breath and then feel, know the physicality of breathing out for one half breath. Thanks again, Madeline. Really glad you shared that. And we have time for one more person if there's somebody else who'd like to share with the group. And if not, I'll just... Uh, Remind folks, thanks to Jessica who helped with the technology tonight and often is there as our co-host for our online programs. And uh, I thought we might just do the chant that I put in earlier. And remember, if you want the copy of those four aspects of all the Brahma Viharas of the Divine Abode practice, you might want to open that up before we end. But let's do the four quarters chant together. Of course, we'll keep ourselves muted, but I'll chant out loud for us, and you can just do it at home if you want, or just listen to my voice. And we often do this, some of you are regulars in the morning sits, and we do this at the center and online for our morning sits. Now let us make the four boundless qualities shine forth. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, 
likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide, pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with compassion, Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with compassion, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide, pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with gladness, Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a mind imbued with gladness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. I will abide, pervading one quarter, with a mind imbued with equanimity, Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with the mind imbued with equanimity, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.